When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. And here they come in with a quick goal in the third. As James Neal appeared to be the last Flames player to touch it. And just 13 seconds into the period, it is 4-2 Flames. That's James Neal's last goal with the Calgary Flames. His next one in the NHL will be with the Edmonton Oilers. He's acquired from the Oilers or from the Flames today for Milan Lucic. The Oilers also will trade a third-round pick in 2020 to Calgary if two things happen. Neal scores 21 goals or more, and Lucic scores 10 fewer goals than Neal. So if it's uh, 20 to 10 for Neal, no pick. If it's 25-21 for Neal, no pick. But if it's 21-9, 30-2 to two or whatever the Oilers give up the pick. Uh, I think uh, most Oilers fans would be fine giving up the pick if Neal comes in and scores quite a bit. Uh, Murr, the Flames guy, says, uh, what the hell was this trade about? Lucic doesn't need a change of scenery. He needs to retire. Neal had one bad season and he's turfed. Doesn't make any sense unless there was an underlying factor. A few bucks in saving is all the Flames get. Hate it. That's from Murray, the Flames guy. Brian says, sometimes I scratch my head how people think Lucic leads the league in hits and is one of the league's least injured players, a team that finished near the top of the league. Neil couldn't make the top six with them, but he's going to be a star here. And then Brian has numerous question marks after that. Richard says, uh, the deal is done. Well, that is sad. I really like Lucic. I like what he brought, even when he wasn't scoring. I think... We got a hell of a player back for him, though. This is exciting, but look for McDavid to be hurt by Christmas. That's from Richard. And Festus, texting 63630, says, Neil looked so bad last year in Calgary that it seems a stretch to think this was a great deal. And say what you want about Lucic, he's a scary dude, and now the Oilers don't have him, and they didn't gain any cap space. I kind of like this deal from a Flames perspective. That is a text to 63630 from Festus. All right. We will uh, talk a little bit more about the deal as we move along tonight. It is the big story of the day. The big story tomorrow will be how the Edmonton Eskimos do in Montreal. And to set up that game, my good buddy, the producer of this show, our Eskimos analyst, Dave Campbell. Dave, thanks for checking in. How are you doing? Good, Reed. How are you? Good. How is the Barbie barn? Uh, oh, the Barbie barn is so good. You wish you'd go back again and have it, uh, have another round of a jumbo combo, but then I'd be hospitalized. So one time is good. One time is good, and you'll always remember this moment. And I will always remember this moment. Yes, I will. I'm getting teary-eyed just talking about the Barbie Barn and the Jumbo Combo. 
Well, that's that's incredible. 7-1, by the way. Winnipeg <laughs> leading Ottawa with a minute 35 left in the first quarter. Winnipeg trying to stay undefeated. Uh, Ottawa has been uh, okay this season. Obviously, they lost to, uh, to Montreal last time out. All right, let's start with the uh, Eskimos depth chart. Uh, any changes of note from last week's game? I, be- I believe there's at least one. Yeah, there's, there's one change. Actually, I guess two technically, but... Matt O'Donnell, who was announced on the six-game injured list with a lower body injury uh, or knee, uh, that that was suffered uh, last week in Vancouver. So that means Kyle Saxlitt, who was already on the roster as a six-hole lineman, he'll make his first CFL start. He'll play at right guard. So that uh, does trigger a roster move. And the only player going on the roster is Jermichael Dean, who's a CFL journeyman offensive lineman. He'll be the sixth offensive lineman. So. Uh, a big loss in Matt O'Donnell, but it only triggered one change, and uh, the team really likes Kyle Sackwood, and he uh, basically played, I mean, he played over a, a half of football last week in Vancouver when O'Donnell went down in the second quarter, and he uh, he looked pretty good, so they're going to keep the ratio the same. Of course, Sackwood was from the States, but he's got a Canadian designation because his mother was born in uh, New Brunswick, so they have uh, they maintain the ratio, which is good because they have DeVaris Daniels still on the roster in their uh, receiving core who made his debut last week against the Lions. Yeah, Saxel is an interesting story, Dave. And uh, remember, we, we wrangled him the, the night he was drafted, and it's one of those, it's not exactly a, a loophole, but it's one of those sort of uh, odd situations in the CFL. He was a Canadian who didn't know he was a Canadian until <laughs> the CFL teams started started talking to him. And, and hey, it, it happens. I mean, Ben Cahoon was sort of like that for the Montreal Alouettes. He was Canadian but didn't spend a lot of time in Canada. But, but uh, I, I mean, good for Saxlid, the second-round pick, jumping right in and, and playing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny how it, it happened. Is he had no idea about Canadian football or, you know, playing the game. I know he went to a Riders free agent camp, and then he showed up at an Eskimos free agent camp and didn't work out, but talked to the Eskimos, and they discovered that, hey, you know, in, in talking with Kyle Sachs, looking at normal a little bit more, hey, uh, you're actually designated as a Canadian. You should enter the draft. And he did. Went to the Combine in Toronto, opened some eyes there. And, uh, of course, he played a really high level of football, um, you know, playing for UNLV and playing against the, the likes of a Joey Bosa, who was drafted second overall in the NFL uh, draft. Uh, you know, and, and, and he comes in as a pretty unique situation where he's one of those American Canadians and he can play all five positions on the offensive line and you know i talked to him this week and he said you know it, it is nice just to rep at one position and uh you know spend about 80 percent of your time repping for the position you're going to play for but still having to know the other four positions just in case so it's a really good story and you know i, I talked to jason moss about him earlier today and about he only has months of experience in the cfl and he said but he's got years of experience playing football and that's what matters to to the eskimos and the kyle Sackler. All right. From a Montreal perspective, they've been interesting to watch. First of all, because of all of the off-field drama, they changed their coach right before the season starts, the regular season starts. They they fired GM Cavus Reed on the weekend, though that sounds like that was was brewing for a while because of some of the stuff that that Cavus was doing. Mm-hmm. But they, I, I mean, I know they lost one game pretty bad, but they they found a way to fight back against the Eskimos, even though they lost in the end. They they beat Hamilton. They've been pretty competitive. In my mind, though, Dave, there is a there is a couple of big losses for them. It sounds like on offense going into tomorrow's game. Yeah, there is. Uh, Devere Posey won't play. 
and he's their uh, boundary wide receiver, so he, he plays the wideout position on the short side of the field. And they don't have B.J. Cunningham in the lineup, who is the fifth leading receiver in the CFL. So those are two big losses. Uh, so Eugene Lewis is going to start in, in Posey's spot. And there is a, a couple of players they like, a couple of rookies. One is Quan Bray, who has played the uh, last couple games and has a ton of targets, and he has got a lot of passes. And the other is Jake Winicky, who actually spent some time with Brandon Zilstra at a Vikings camp uh, a couple of years ago. So those are two players that they're going to rely on along with, uh, you know, someone like Eugene Lewis as well. Uh, but, yeah, losing Posey, who was their big signing in the offseason, we know what a deep threat he can be playing for the Toronto Argos, played a bit for the Lions last season. And uh, B.J. Cunningham has had a great season. You know, they still got William Standback back there as uh, the leading rusher in the Canadian Football League. Vernon Adams has been playing well, 5-2 and two as a starter, Reed, which is uh, pretty impressive considering the line of Alouette's quarterbacks who don't have winning records since, one Anthony Calvillo retired. So, and I think what's impressive about the Alouettes is their defense. And they have a new coordinator in Bob Slowick who has no CFL experience but came in. And you know how it's worked before, right, with, with some American coaches that come up to the yeah. CFL and have no experience. They either think they're too big for it or they just don't understand it. They don't well, change. Slowick came in yeah. with his own scheme, and, but he's got veterans on the team like Kenok Mwamba and John Bowman and Taylor Loeffler and Siante Evans and uh, Tommy Campbell, and he's really relied on those uh, those players. Chris Ackie is another one uh, in their linebacking core. And talked to Hinoch Mwamba about it today, and he said, you know, he, we're still running what he what he wants to run, but he is also not afraid to ask us uh, about the Canadian game and the nuances and get some feedback. So this is an interesting matchup tomorrow, and I think Vernon Adams, even though he's played well the last few games, uh, and he's full marks, he's been very efficient. Uh, he's been very good at protecting the football, but, you know, I think he's going to be really tested with, with the fronts. And if the Eskimos let him break contained, then it's going to be a, a bit of a challenge for them. And we saw what he did in week one when he came in for Antonio Pipkin. He gave the Eskimos all kinds of fits and brought the Alouettes back, and the Eskimos eventually won that game. This is an interesting matchup. Those two receivers being hurt, I, I think, really hurts. Like, I, I've, I love Cunningham ever since he came into the league. I yeah. think Posey had three touchdowns in a quarter last year against the Eskimos. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I was looking at the stats breakdown that CFL.ca has on the website, and Montreal runs the ball 49% of the time, so huge yep. commitment to the run. I had Philip Lawley on yesterday. I got to talk to him at Commonwealth Stadium, the Eskimos defensive coordinator, and he said Montreal kind of has a run-first mentality, and yep. a strong run game is a way to slow down that pass rush on the blitzing that the Eskimos uh, like to bring but the but again the advantage for the Eskimos is they I mean look I've got to be careful what you say but I don't want to jinx anybody but they're not going to have to worry about those threats so maybe they'll still be able to to get after it and clog up the line yeah it's a good point and William Stanback uh, has a ton of carries you know, it's interesting because they, they use Stanback a lot. C.J. Gable is, is, the, is the leader in the league in carries with 79 yards and is second in the CFL behind uh, Stanback rushing. So you got the two busiest uh, running backs in the CFL facing off against each other. But, yeah, I mean, Stanback's load. He's with 6'1", 6'2", 230 pounds. And on a, a what's going to be a hot, humid day tomorrow, you got to think the Alouettes think that they, we can – establish the run game and make those uh, you know and, and put our hands on that D lineman on those D lineman as much as possible because you still have the weight advantage of an O line against the D line then maybe by the fourth quarter it's uh, it, it becomes the Alouette's advantage but that's where the Eskimos have to stop the run 
and make Vernon Adams a thrower. And, uh, and that's when Philip Lawley can really play games with Vernon Adams on second and long situations. So I think we're going to see a trench battle. We're going to see a, a battle of a, you know, kind of that war of attrition type game. Uh, and every game's like that in football, but in a, in a situation where the Alouettes are depleted a bit offensively, even though they have some, you know, they still have some pieces, but when your two best receivers are out of the lineup, it might change their philosophy and how they operate offensively. It's uh, it's interesting. The Eskimos have forced 24 two and outs, second in the league to Hamilton. They've only gone two and out 11 times. That's the least in the league. And uh, net offense, 222 yards per game surrendered by the Eskimos. Almost, well, going into yesterday's game, that was almost 100 yards uh, better yeah. than Calgary. Calgary wound up beating Toronto. So, and uh, 16 sacks for the Eskimos, only one allowed. I mean, if they, like, it, it, the Eskimos, they're kind of middle of the pack in turnovers. So that's yeah. nothing maybe to, to point out yet. Mm-hmm. But plus 15 in sacks that's that that's a lot of negative plays you're forcing and you're not you're not giving up a lot and harris hasn't been picked off no and i think that's that's harris understanding where the football needs to go and it's going to be dictated by the defense and and what coverage they have called and i think it's trevor harris's quick release and the fact he gets through his progression so quickly and that's what's amazing when you watch him up close i mean he he gets through one two three four reads so fast and he always knows where his checkdowns are. He always knows where Gable is or where Natasha is or, you know, whoever is the man who's going to kind of hang out shallow and use the running back, he knows where they are. And that's what's really impressive. And uh, having zero interceptions is, uh, you know, quite the thing. And he has the sixth longest streak in CFL history, you know, and I'm, I don't have any wood to knock on. I should ask Marley Scott if he can knock on something right now. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, he, he hasn't given up a pick against the Eskimos uh, last season uh, in one of those two games. Uh, the one in, I can't remember if the one in September or the one in October at home, but uh, it's quite the streak. And uh, I know the Lion enjoys, is enjoying playing for a quarterback that gets the ball out fast. Uh, C.J. Gable is enjoying having uh, the balance back in the offense. I mean, last week they had a kind of a, uh, you know, not, not a great rushing night, 68 yards, three, three and a half yard average. But what was impressive to me, Reed, was the 19 attempts. So they're staying committed to the run game, so having the balanced offense really helps. And their time of possession in the last two games, even though they lost to Winnipeg, um, I mean, they, they've been far and away. The staying on the field, you know, it's an almost a 10-minute advantage over the opponent the last two games. All right, Dave, look forward to hearing you and Morley at 12.30 tomorrow. Winnipeg leading Ottawa 14-1 early in the second quarter in Friday Night Football. Thanks for checking in, buddy. You betcha, my friend. Talk to you later. All right, that is Dave Campbell, the producer of this show and uh, our Eskimos color commentator for our broadcast right here on 630 Chad. They'll sign on at 12.30 tomorrow. Looking forward to that game. More of your uh, comments on uh, the Milan Lucic for James Neal deal. We'll also preview the World Triathlon event that's in Edmonton this weekend. And the Confederation Trappers have advanced to the semifinals at Senior Little League Nationals. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. So we're going to bring on their coach from Nova Scotia. Still a lot to get to in the final 40 minutes of the show. Please stick around. Your home for all the news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Great song for a Friday night. 10 days away, Jeff Leppard of Rogers Place. That's going to be fun. All right, so Milan Lucic traded to the Calgary Flames for James Neal. Uh, with the Oilers' salary retention, uh, they will have $6.5 million against the cap. They retain $12.5 million of, uh, 12.5 million, 12.5% of Lucic's salary. The conditional third-round pick is conditional on, uh, first of all, Neil has to score at least 21 goals, and Lucic has to score at least 10 fewer goals than Neil. Both of those things have to happen for the Oilers to send a 2020 third-rounder to Calgary. We had Jerry Johansson, Milan Lucic's agent, on the show in the last hour. Well, I think he's pretty excited. He's, uh, you know, I think this sort of came up relatively at the last minute, just in the last couple of days, and uh, so it's been a bit of a whirlwind. But uh, but I, I think he's really looking forward to it. He's got uh, some good contacts in, in Calgary, and I think he's excited. He did have a no-move clause in his contract. Well, I guess that goes with him to Calgary, but he had to tell the Oilers that, that you know he was he was willing to move. Can you give us a little bit of perspective of you know how that how that comes up, how it's approached, and, and why he ultimately decided to to waive it? Sure. Well, I think um, the first thing is I think Calgary and Edmonton had a, a rough idea of a, of a potential trade. So, you know, I think they had the, the concept agreed to. And then the next thing is to come to Milan uh, through us, obviously, to to see if he'd consider it. And uh, in this case, you know, Milan spent some time talking to Calgary. They walk him through uh, the situation there, the opportunity there. And, uh, you know, after about, I don't know, maybe a day and a half, Milan was, you know, really, really interested. So that allowed, uh, you know, Ken and Brad to proceed wrapping up the deal, which got done today. And uh, the rest is history. All right. That full interview with Johansson is on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Paul says, hey, guys, the thing I'm impressed most with Holland and his signings are the one-year terms. The Oilers are going to have lots of cap room to play with after this season. Corey says, if you thought you hated Matt Kachuk, wait until they play him with Lucic standing behind him. And Rob says the Oilers gave up too much in this deal by retaining 12.5% of Lucic's salary. And also the third-round draft pick is too much. Some text to 630-630. You can chime in there as well. You can also call 780-496-0063. We're rolling into the last half hour. More on the trade, a little bit on the triathlon in Edmonton this weekend. And uh, we'll tell you which Edmonton baseball team is a win away from a national title. This is Armando Sewell of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Well, ready to go in Montreal tomorrow. A lot of 
the best in the world in triathlon ready to go in Edmonton. We will preview the World Triathlon Edmonton event coming up in uh, 90 seconds. Quickly want to get some uh, reaction from Sirius Gord to the Luchich for Neil deal. Go ahead, Gord. Hey, buddy. Never a, never a dull moment in Oilers, though, eh? Nope. Um, so basically, uh, Luchich at $5.1 million is equivalent to Neil at 6.65. Is that kind of how it works out? Uh, is it 6.65 or 6.5? But yeah, approximately, yeah. 5.75 sure. plus 0.9, I think, is the whole back, right? Or is the in terms of salary retention. Yeah, it's 12.5%. So uh, I guess that's a fair swap in terms of value of player. My question is, you know, next season really doesn't matter. Uh, if we were to buy out Neil, we have to buy him out for more ultimately than we would have to buy out Lucic. So I, and if the focus is two and three years out, We've actually hurt ourselves in terms of how much cap room we're going to have in the next three to four years. Is that correct? Uh, I thought the the buyout on Neil was less. Yeah, I don't. Sorry, man. I mean, I <laughs> that's, that's I deal with money all the time, but uh, sometimes the math when it comes to cap stuff uh, get lost. Well, yeah, and because when you buy it out on on cap friendly, it includes this year. Um, I've been doing some of this on the fly, Gord. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, if, sure. No, no, no problem. I just, it's, it, if, if it is the case that if we've increased the cost of the buyout of this player three and two and three and four years from now, then that's a bad deal for, for the Oilers. I don't see how it isn't. But if it's a wash that way and, uh, or, this, or a little less perhaps, then, yeah, I think Neil ultimately has more potential upside than, than Lucic does. And we got somebody else to hate for a couple, three years than what we've had the last <laughs> two or three. I mean, there's something about that. There's something to be said. There's a, there's some kind of a, you know what I mean, karma. I don't know what the right term is, but we have fresh meat to hate now. Um, we were getting kind of weary of the Lucic thing. Now we got something else to be optimistic for at least a few months, and then maybe we're back into the same uh, issues that we have with Lucic. But anyway, thanks, man. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Okay. See you, Gord. Thanks a lot for checking in. Seven eight zero four nine six zero. Oh, sorry, guys. My mic's falling there. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We will uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the uh, best all-round, best conditions athletes in the world. Stephen Bardot is the World Triathlon Edmonton General Manager. Stephen, thanks for checking in tonight. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to have you on the show. This is uh, always a great event for Edmonton when the triathlon uh, hits town. Um, I, I guess you're dealing with maybe a little bit of weather, though it's supposed to possibly improve over the next 48 hours. Yeah, that's that's the hope. Although it depends what forecast you look at. Some say there's another storm to blow through tonight. Some say we're good to go until next week. So fingers crossed, it's flatter. I know this is a really busy event. There's a lot going on. Some of it has already started, but uh, some of the marquee events, I, I suppose I'd call them, are on the weekend. Can you kind of break down when the uh, when the elite athletes are going here, Stephen? Yeah, so tomorrow, Saturday, our, our, our elite athletes hit the ground or hit the pool, or the lake, I guess, um, at 3.30 p.m., and then 5.30 p.m. So the gates to the park kind of open up at 3 o'clock. We encourage people to come down, and, you know, it's a few hours of amazing racing. In terms of uh, where spectators should should try to congregate best parts to see, I mean, obviously there's the swim and and the bike and the run. There, there's a lot going on. Where are good places for spectators to, to check this out? 
Yeah, the, the best spot is right down in Orlock Park in the stadium. We built, so that we take over the parking lot and build a temporary stadium with big screen TVs that have live broadcasts from the race action out on the course. Uh, and then they can see the athletes come through multiple times out of the swim and the bike and the run and the finish and such. But even if you can't make it all the way down into the park, out along Grote Road and Emily Murphy Hill are great places to watch the racers go by. Is that new this year, some of the, the, the accommodations for spectators? Yeah, it is. We're, we're, we're testing a lot of new things this year. Next year, 2020, Edmonton hosting the World Triathlon Championships, uh, which is a huge event. So, I mean, this year we expect about 10,000 or so people. Next year, we're hoping about 100,000 people come down and line the course. Okay, well, can you give us some of the, some of the big names are here or some of the Canadians that maybe we need to keep an eye on? Yeah, and, uh, just a few weeks ago in Montreal, they had a World Triathlon stop, and uh, Winnipeg's Tyler Mislawchuk, uh, was the first Canadian man ever to podium at a world triathlon race. And uh, so he's he's right up there this weekend, and I know he's, I uh, was with him earlier today, and he's pretty excited. His dad's out from Winnipeg here to watch him, and he's got a whole fan base in town. And uh, I keep my eyes on him. He's got some tough competition. We've got eight of the top ten men in the world are here at Edmonton. and uh, But I know he, he would love, absolutely love to get on a podium or a win in front of a hometown crowd. What are the distances again? Uh, it's a 750-meter swim in uh, Horlack Lake and then a 20-kilometer bike up uh, around the university area and then a 5-kilometer run in and out of the park. And, and you're using Emily Murphy Hill, which uh, I run in the 15K on Canada Day, <laughs> and it's, it's not easy. I mean, I know these athletes are in 400 times better shape than I am, but that's a good <laughs> test, isn't it? It is. You know what? The athletes, we got a lot of good athletes that come to this race year after year because Edmonton is, we're one of the only courses on the tour that actually has hills <laughs> on it. A lot, of the, really? a lot of the events are, yeah, they're based out of city centers, kind of downtown areas, so, you know, it's kind of flat, you know, lots of U-turns and such. But uh, the athletes always um, say that our course is one of their favorites on the circuit because it's challenging. You know, it's a different type of challenge going up and down that hill. Uh, you know, you do it once, it kind of takes the legs out of you. Try doing it five times. Right. After swimming, and then you got a 5K run to do afterwards in under 15 minutes. It's incredible. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good way to put it. Okay, so uh, again, just re- just remind people uh, how they can get in to see the elite stuff and, and when they should try to get down there. Yeah, tomorrow. So if you're down by three o'clock in the park, three three thirty, you'll catch all the action. Uh, the park, the the road in and out of the park is closed for the race. It's used as part of their course. Um, but people can park over at Laurier Park. They can park up at the university, and it's about, you know, a mile, less than a mile walk, about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. My family usually parks over at the zoo and then rides their bikes. Has a oh, nice, nice. bike ride over to the park and then takes in the action. There's free bike parking and such. So we want to make it as easy as possible to get down and take it in. It's all free. So we want people to rely on the course. Stephen, thanks for checking in. I, I know uh, you're busy and there's a lot going on, so thanks for uh, checking in in the middle of, of having everything going on here. I really appreciate it. No worries. I appreciate the time. Thanks. That is Stephen Bordeaux on the line tonight, General Manager of World Triathlon Edmonton. That's always a good event. we got a Canadian contender and uh, incredible athletes for sure as uh, we set that up for you. 780 is our phone number, and uh, you can also text 630 Dwayne says, hey, Reed, I'm an Oilers fan to the fullest, no matter how bad our season went. It's the games against Calgary we get up for, and I think we just gave them the bomb they need, was hoping Lucic would want to go back to the East, see what happens, I guess. Uh, Darren says, kind of glad Milan left. I like the guy, but it starts to take a toll, feeling bad for him every game. 
Uh, Chad said, is the conditional pick just for the upcoming season? Yes, 2020 conditional pick. Well, this next caller you uh, hear from a lot on the show. He enjoys calling in. He always has interesting things to say. He's either calling in about the Lucic trade or he's calling in because he's ready to compete in the elite division of the Edmonton Triathlon tomorrow. Which is it, Jared? Uh, maybe the triathlon a few years ago, but uh, <laughs> there's nothing nothing left of my knees, honestly. Oh, my goodness. What happened? Was it running or just life? Just, running, just grind, it would grind them down, and then I just started having problems with my back. So I basically do, like, stairs with, like, a weighted knapsack on now, which is a lot better on the knees. But uh, just on the concrete, it just got worse and worse. Then I went to treadmill, and then, it's, and then it helped a little bit, but then after a while, I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, I hear you. But the, I've I've had minor knee issues, I think, probably com- compared to yours from, from running. But uh, it sounds like you're still active, which is good. What do you think of the deal, buddy? Um, I, I would just say that one thing that I think that some of the people are overrating is the intimidation factor of Lucic because I think for Connor to have room on the ice, the player like a Cassian is better suited because of the fact he's on the ice with him at the same time. So Gretzky had uh, Semenko, Marilyn Yu had like a Kevin Stevens or a Rick Tockett. But if the guy's on the fourth line and you just let him out every once in a while, can he be really that effective to clear ice for Connor or allow him to play better? So I've never really bought into that, and I think that that part of the game uh, for Milan Lucic I think is over. He's a very crude hockey player in terms of like he's, like people talk about his skating maybe in a straight line he's okay in the forecheck but all other aspects of like his agility his turning his acceleration he's not very good and with the puck he even slows down even more so i think that he's like a seems like a great person a great guy and he may do okay in calgary but i had a friend that lived in pittsburgh he he, uh, got a job as an engineer in pittsburgh when james neal was there and he said he could not believe how good of a that was the year i think james neal got like 39 40 goals yeah yeah, 41 here yeah he could not believe how good of a hockey player he actually was. And the other thing is, you know, there's only 60 minutes in a game. So if the second line is going to get a lot of ice time, he has to have potential to score. The third and fourth line are guys, they just got to chip in the odd goal and be good defensively. But when your second line, like the, the wingers from Nugent Hopkins, don't have any potential, that's where I think the Oilers, I don't, I don't think it was so much the third and fourth line. I think it was the second line. But once, if you're on the fourth line, you're only getting six or seven minutes a game. There's no way you can you, – you just kind of maybe fluke out and get the odd goal. But you're, you're never going to be on any kind of power play. You're never going to really get any good offensive zone, uh, like, starts on face-off. So you're just basically there to hold down the fourth. So when the Oilers are pushing those guys up into the second and first line, that's, that's a lot of trouble. But I think James Neal has, like, potential to be 20, 25 goals unless all of a sudden – he just uh, he just tanks and and isn't the player that he was before. But ten ten I think ten straight years with twenty goals, not many players have done that. So I think uh, Ken Holland made a really good move. And I mean, what's the worst that can happen? He scores seven or eight, what Lucic was doing before, right? So it really can't get any worse in terms of that. All right, thanks, Jared. We'll see you soon. Take it easy. Bye bye. All right, and we'll also uh, get Darcy in here on line two. Go ahead, Darcy. Hey, Reed. Hey, um, just want to touch base about uh, you know the, the summer that Holland's had. He's done a lot of change, that's for sure. And whether Neil works out or not, I mean, I hope it does. 
But at the end of the day, our Achilles heel has got to be our goaltending. Like, it's just Koskinen, we have to hope that Koskinen goes home, goes back to to Sweden or Finland or wherever and, and works on his game and his game gets better next year. And if him and Smith can really drive and give us some solid goaltending, man, anything can happen. And and that, that to me is the biggest question. And there's not much Holland could have done about the goaltending. At the end of the day, if they never signed Koskinen to the, to the contract that they did, maybe they would have been in on different goalies. Maybe they would have had a little bit more play on something else. But, but at the end of the day, that, that's, what, that's what our season is going to come to, is, is our goaltending good enough to be playoff hockey. And I, if it I, is, yeah, I 100% oh, agree. I 100% agree, and I said that on the show yesterday. Biggest question mark, goaltending. Second biggest question mark, depth scoring. Third biggest question mark is, is, is defense. And I'm not saying that there aren't questions on defense, but it might be the most solid-looking bunch, though you know, maybe Neil slightly decreases the size of the scoring question mark, though there's still a lot there. He very well could, and you know, that's a great point. I mean... You look at you look at the lineup, the potential lineup, and regardless of what you think, there's a lot of question marks. Like we don't know how these kids coming over from Europe are going to play in the NHL, or if they're even capable of playing in the NHL. There's a lot of question marks there. We don't know if if uh, Jones, Caleb Jones, is going to come up and and steal a spot and play well enough and consistently well enough to stay in the top six. You know, like there there are there are so many question marks. Hopefully it all comes together, and, you know, Connor has this another Connor McDavid season. Dreisaitl does what he does. Nooch does what he does. Hopefully James Neal finds that scoring touch with Nooch. Like, man, that would just – that would take so much pressure off of the top line. Like, yeah. it would be immensely huge. And they need a guy but who can the shoot. The-, the Oilers have had a lot, a lot – it's funny. They've had a lot of forwards who are reluctant to shoot. Which is contradictory, yeah. but it's it's happened. So, yeah, I hear you. Thanks, Darcy. Have a great weekend. Yeah. You too, bro. Okay, Bye. we got to take a quick uh, timeout. Then we're going to go to the East Coast. We got an Edmonton team doing really well. Hi, this is Trevor Harris of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30, Chad. That's our guy. I think that's our guy on line one that we want to we want to bring in. This is uh, we're kind of doing a little of this of this on the fly because uh, is that him? Okay, this team this team just finished their game a little while ago, and I wanted to get somebody on. This is. Uh, Oh, there's some excitement right there. Uh, we got Travis checking in from the. Is it the Confederation Trappers, Travis? Yes, sir. Okay, uh, and your last name's Sormaz. Am I saying that right? Yeah. The coach of the Confederation Trappers. So, first of all, thanks for doing this. You're on with Reed Wilkins on 6:30, Chad. I know the last. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know the last couple of hours have been crazy. Uh, as I've been broadcasting this show, you've been playing in a semifinal at the uh, the National Senior Little League Tournament. Tell us how it went. Uh, it went great today. Uh, we had a great start from Ty Herring. 
went five innings, and uh, Reese came in and uh, shut the door. We got a few uh, few hits and uh, critical situations, and uh, we're able to uh, scratch one out. What was the score? Four two. And this was against uh, this was the host team, Cape Breton. Yeah, we played Cape Breton. Okay, so what's what was the format for the tournament here? Uh, so the format was same as last year. You play everybody once, and then the top four teams. Uh, go on to the playoffs, and it's uh, four versus one, two versus three. Okay, so were you, were you guys second in the round robin? Yeah, we finished in second. We lost to uh, Quebec in a 6-3 close one. And that's who you're playing tomorrow for all the marbles? Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it did not Confederation win this national title last year? Yep. Uh, we have five returners from the same team. And did you coach last year? Yes, I was one of the I was the assistant coach last year. Okay, awesome. Well, just tell us about why there's been sustained success here for Confederation Trappers. Um, I think it has to go back to just building a good program. Um, with the success we had last year, uh, brought in more kids. We had uh, almost 40 kids, 35 to 40 kids try out for us this year. Um, people coming back from Alberta baseball, uh, knowing that there is other good baseball that's uh, got a good chance of. Uh, first getting to the national championship and then another possibility of getting to that world series all right so what time is tomorrow's game uh we play at four o'clock local that'll be one o'clock back in edmonton all right uh is there, is there besides you guys doing well is there a region of the country or a couple of provinces that are consistently good at this level um i'd say bc is usually uh, up there um Cape Brandon Atlantic is always uh, always a top team as well. And uh, for a few years, Quebec had a really rough year last year, and they've come back again strong. So, so what do we have here? Is it 14-15? Uh, this is 15-16. Uh, uh, Year-old, so it's a U-16. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, for, Travis, I'm really glad you came on. I know this has all been uh, a little rushed, and I've sort of been following you guys all week, and then wanted to get you on and you're playing during the show so so thank you very much for doing this all the best tomorrow uh hopefully especially if you win we can chat on monday or get a couple of your kids on because this is really exciting good for baseball in edmonton absolutely absolutely any uh, anytime we can get on we'd love to have it uh if you want to talk tomorrow after the game after a big w uh no problem at all all right go get them buddy thanks for checking in thanks a lot have a good one that is Travis Sormas. He's the coach of the Confederation Park Trappers. They will play for the Senior Little League National Title tomorrow against Quebec. He said the time's 1 p.m. Edmonton time. Uh, they have a really good Twitter account. It's called on on Twitter Confed Park LL, and uh, they have a bunch of updates there. So good for them. Wanted to, wanted to give them a little bit of love because they've they got a good program there. They've been doing extremely well. Okay. Are we winding her down for the week, Kellen? My goodness. Uh, you know what, guys? I got to apologize. I don't have the exact numbers on the buyout, but I know a lot of you have texted in since Gord called in that, that any buyout on Neil would be less than the buyout on Luch if it comes to that next year or the year after. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully James Neal has, has a great season, and uh, we're just talking about him him continuing to be on the team rather than him failing to live up to expectations. Just seven goals last season. Lucic had just six. They have been traded for each other. The Oilers are going to retain a little bit of salary, have a cap hit of around $6.5 million when you include that. You can get more on 630Ched.com on the main page, on the Oilers page, including my interview with uh, Jerry Johansson. 
Milan Lucic's agent who breaks down how the deal went down. All right. Edmonton prospects scoreless in Lethbridge tonight. That one is in the top of the second inning. And CFL uh, at the half, 28-1, Winnipeg hammering Ottawa. At Commonwealth tomorrow, Canadian Junior Hoylet and Cardiff City will play Real Valladolid from Spain. Big international friendly at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, had a little bit more on that and ran out of time, so I apologize for that. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. Thanks to everybody who called in and texted tonight. Eskimos tomorrow, 12.30 countdown to kickoff game at 2 as they take on the Alouettes. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have an alley cat tonight. Have a great weekend. Friday. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.